Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. We gotta win, and I, I think we can play at a whole nother level. Right? We're up 21 to start that fourth quarter, and they go on an 8-0 run. Kind of let our guard down a little bit. We know we gotta play for 48 minutes to go up 2-0 on Sunday night in that building. Uh, I want to give this to Aaron Gordon. Yeah. Okay, Jamal, 26 and 10, another double double. Nicole uh, gets another triple double. Uh, and Bruce, Bruce, great minutes on the bench. We've done this all year long, fellas. We're up 1 0. Congratulations, we haven't done a damn thing. Our goal wasn't to win one game in the finals, our goal is to win three more. Bring it in, man. Bring it in. Family on three. One, two, three. Rita, welcome, welcome. Happy Friday. We made it. We made it. (laughs) Happy Friday, the day after game one of the NBA Finals. We just heard from Mike Malone. We saw the Nuggets post game in their locker room. I just, to me, you know, we've been talking a lot throughout this NBA postseason about heat culture, heat culture, but I just thought that video you know, with Mike Malone talking to his squad, like, I don't know if we're giving Denver's culture, you know, enough credit, you know, they may not have like a catchy little slogan, but to me, the way that he, you know, gave Aaron Gordon his shout outs for the huge game he had and awarded him that big old chain. And then, <laughs> you know, like shouting out, you know, it's it's almost like, yeah, you, know, you got another triple double, but right. Yeah, another know. one. Another one, um, you know, like, you know, Callie would say another one, um, you know, you got <laughs> Jamal Murray, Jamal Murray, he's calling out, he goes around the room, gives everyone a shout out, you know, they celebrate and understand like we can celebrate this moment. It's game one. We're in the NBA finals. Great job. But we got more work to do. It's not done yet. Um, also fitting in like areas where they needed to improve. You know, they let down a little bit and kind of let their lead dwindle some, took their pedal off the gas. So just the way he kind of weaved in and out the many messages, the many messages and just the culture and the way everyone responded in the room and the players and, you know, like, I mean, look, Aaron Gordon even seemed like he was a little humble to receive the chain when it was given to him. I mean, but he had a huge game, so he deserved it. Shout out to him. So I just love this. I watched this and I was like, this is dope. This is dope. You know, their first time in the NBA finals. What a way to come out with a statement in game one. And I, I just really liked that video. Yeah, my favorite thing is, is I, don't, I don't know if it's like them being humble or if they're just completely unfazed about getting everything because they played so well. And, right. you know, or like it's expected almost, you know, because everybody was chill. He gave, 
you know, Jamal Murray, he mentioned him and his double-double. He mentioned, obviously, Jokic and his triple-double, you know, which has become a normal thing at this point. Mm-hmm. But I just love how everybody's like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how we expected this to go anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so I'm just glad that you're acknowledging it, but, like, we knew this was going to happen. So, that. you know. And that was sort of the tone, right? Yeah. Of like, I mean, I don't know if I, I caught a little bit of some of the post games and like, they were just like, yeah, you know, like I think someone had like asked Jamal Mari, like, yeah, you know, um, is it like a testament to you guys? I'm paraphrasing in terms of the variety of ways you can win the game. Cause some would say like those who cover the nuggets and even them would say like, they actually didn't play their best. You know, they didn't shoot right. that well from three you know they were they were living inside their size was certainly an issue for the heat but some would say they didn't even play like their best basketball and they won handedly and we'll get to the heat and what they can do a little later but um they were like yeah you know we can win in a variety of ways like yeah like just hella nonchalant hella nonchalant (laughs) and honestly honestly too nat that they can win in a variety of ways obviously when they start hitting their threes because they only had 29 percent they only made 29 percent of their threes and so i'm seeing a lot of people that are heat fans and in social media land saying oh well we didn't make our threes well yeah but you made 33 percent and they made 29 percent so i'm trying to understand i don't the math that i understand says that 33 is higher than 29 so that's not what happened. The issue is not what happened. And you see, I put that on my feed is that the Miami Heat is just too small because when it comes down to it, the numbers in the paint, the the Nuggets outdid the Heat and the numbers in the paint. Then you start looking at the fouls. It was double. I think 15 to 8 Miami had that many fouls against the Nuggets, which tells me that's an indication to me that you had to foul them because they're just too big. You couldn't do anything with them. So in the last series and against the Lakers, like the Nuggets were just hitting everything. Tonight they were struggling a little bit. And I don't know if that's, well, excuse me, last night. I don't know if that's because they were off for 10 days. I don't know if they just, you know, they did a little bit of rust going on because I don't expect them to shoot like that again necessarily this series but they just weren't themselves and yet at one point you were up 24 I believe I think that the largest margin was 24 points so imagine what they're going to look like when they're hitting on all cylinders that's the part that's scary to me because I feel like that they're the bigger team they're the ones that can go into the paint and do the most damage I just don't, I just feel like this is their time. It it just feels like that this is the Nuggets time. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about that this week in terms of whose time it is. And for me, I love watching this without a vested interest because like, it feels like both of their times to me, honestly, you know, like, and obviously only one can win, but up until this point, and it's only game one, it's felt like the Heat's time too. They beat teams that they weren't supposed to beat. They're yeah, down that's to zero. You know, they've been ha- like on this like magical run. And so I'm just like, which one of these teams, both who have great stories and it's their quote unquote time, like which one is actually going to come out victorious? I think to your point about um, 
like I think you I think if there's there is a part of fatigue that plays into that they'll never admit that and acknowledge that but you're coming off of a seven game series that was not like you know you had to um expend a lot of energy you know Jimmy got a little banged up in there you know they had players that missed and then had to come back you know so um like obviously they got banged up in that series and then you have to go to Denver who already has home court advantage but then into the altitude and like I've never been but every (laughs) single person who I know who has gone who has been who has played they say it is absolutely a real thing that adjustment to the altitude and playing in it and we know I don't think like even though they had a couple of days the Suns when they were playing the Nuggets they flew in a few days early to try to adjust to the altitude and that ain't helped them either so you know they're not going to make excuses for it that's the kind of team the Heat are but I, I think it's one of those things and you know I think they sort of, I'm not going to do the whole they figured something out, but you did start to see the shots start to fall at the end of the game. And then, like, you did hear Jimmy Butler point out, you know, in his post game, like, they needed to go to the paint, you know? They needed to, to do a little bit more. So, but, like, when you're settling a lot like that, that's also a sign of fatigue. It's a sign that, you know, oh, let's just, like, shoot this shot, you know? Um, and, and also one last thing to the idea of like, they're going to shoot better. I believe they will, but, um, who this team really is, I, you know, is, is a question because they, they weren't a great three point shooting team during the regular season. And that's, that's the larger sample size. Um, but I also feel like this heat team and the way they've been moving this postseason that you can't really hold on too tightly to what happened in the regular season. So even when people talk about the regular season matchup between them and the Nuggets, like, yes, you look to it because that's what any, you know, logical person would do. But it's just like everything they've been doing this season is either like a crazy outlier or is this really who they are? Like, we just don't know. My my guess is the answer is somewhere in the middle, right? And so... Um, I the whole they shot 30%, like a lot of those shots started to fall at the end when the game was out of reach. So to yeah. me, it's a little misleading. Like they shot pretty poorly early in the game when they needed to be hitting those shots. Uh, you know, I saw you taking a shot at um Caleb Martin. <laughs> talking I about did this take a shot at Caleb Martin. <laughs> I just listen, listen. I did I just listen. Three points <laughs> is just and I understand. Again, I think that the Nuggets are just too big. I, I I feel that way, and so there's that part. But I was and look, Jimmy Butler did not have a good game, right? He had 13 points. wasn't like he was, he was doing anything phenomenal. But I just I just so happened to be like, wow. At one point in the in the fourth quarter, I said he had, like it was like zeros across the board, and I was like, yeah. wow, he's supposed to win games. Like this when you, when you, when the, when guys aren't you know playing well. I want to get back to your point though about Denver. I don't think that that's an excuse. I've been to Denver, and quick story. I went to a game in Denver, football game, but nonetheless a, a game you know in an arena, and I danced for I don't know, not even hard, but like a couple, like a minute, uh, not even a minute. Had like a little jig, and. For the next three and a half hours, I thought I was going to die. 
I literally oh thought God, that no. I was meeting Elizabeth and having, like my man Fred Sanford used to say, because I could not catch my breath for the life of me. As beautiful as Denver is, it will probably my be my first and last trip there because I can't <laughs> afford to not breathe, okay? I think I need that a little bit in right. order to you know, live. Any place that you go to that sells oxygen tells you that that place is a, probably not uh, an easy place to live in, right? So that altitude thing is absolutely real. It's definitely real. Add to the fact, like you said, that they played game seven in Boston and they li- they really didn't have any time off. They had to literally travel, try to get them their own selves acclimated and then play a game. I'm sure that that helped them be sluggish. Do I think that Miami is going to be like this every single game from this point on? No, I don't. I do think that they'll find a way to figure it out. That being said, you know, we talked about Miami in terms of how they weren't shooting well. But again, we talked about this in the beginning of the segment. Well, neither did Denver. So what's going to happen when both of these teams decide to click? Do we think that Miami has an absolute chance or do we think that Denver is just going to be that too good to overcome that thing? And that's the part that I'm curious about. I do think that, you know, if both teams find a way to get on their cylinders, I still think that Denver has the more power and I don't think that Miami will have enough. I think Miami makes it closer. And I think that Miami could potentially get, you know, some games out of this, but I don't necessarily think that that is the series. I just think that the Nuggets just have everything right now. And this is not to disrespect what what the Miami Heat has done, because what they have done has been remarkable thus far. And I think we have to give them all the credit in the world. But they're the eighth. Yeah, you've been on here calling Jimmy Hemi all postseason. So you've right. been all right. So you've but been they also the They didn't belong here, Nat. Like, let's be real, right? We didn't <laughs> see I mean, listen. Jimmy Butler said that is not true. He said listen, that is not yes, he true. Did. He did say that. And I love a confident man. <laughs> I love a person that's willing <laughs> to stand on it, right? And he stood on it. But they were the eighth seed. I mean, we just have to be honest about how they got here. And I think that it's fair to say that a team that's the number one seed that has a guy that does triple doubles literally in his sleep, they're going to be the team that's going to be hard to beat and not the other way around. And that's that's really what basically what this boils down to. Okay. Did you have a pick in this series? I picked Denver. I mean, I just... In how many games? I, I said five, but I wonder if... <laughs> I, I would like to see, you know, Miami fight. I want to see them fight. I just don't know where that's going to come. You said that they mentioned that they wanted to get in the paint. Okay, but who's who's meeting you there when you get there? It's a big guy over there in Denver. Uh, what's Denver. Denver is just, not some crazy defensive stopper team. No, they're I not. Mean. And that's that's very true. And you're right about <laughs> that. And then we know that the Heat has this very crazy zone thing that they do. So they're not out of it. I just, man, listen, if the threes ain't going to want a rainbow like they want, and they have to go into the paint, I just don't know how this is going to turn out. That's all I'm saying. I hear you. I mean, I picked Denver two and six, but I'll just say this last thing before I go, because we have some company helping that coming that will really help us break this down and knows, you know, one of these teams very well, but knows everything. And that is Makai's Duncan. So can't wait to see him. But, you know, I just, I think that with the heat, this is what I think it comes down to. Denver is clearly the better team. They are clearly the more talented team. But I largely think they're the more talented team because 
they have the best player in the series and who many would argue is the best player in the NBA. Right. And so um, he's just a tier one guy. And when you gen typically speaking in NBA history, when you have the best player in the series, that creates like just another level of advantage to you. And as great as Jimmy, the Butler, Hemi, Buckets, Buckets. (laughs) all the nicknames, all of them has been, he's not that level. He's not that level of player. And even if he can be that level of player, he still has not demonstrated the ability to do it consistently, which is how the, the, the Celtics were able to come back in the last series after the heat went up 3-0 literally it was jimmy jimmy plays better in game four in game five in game, like any of those game six and the heat wins and that's why people were saying caleb martin <laughs> uh, should have very odd because i think jimmy had like 29 points in game four but i don't i don't know i mean you know but it was no a lot of his like no 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 no, no. it's just he was not being impactful the way he needed to be. Um, he, he was shooting poorly. He was very inefficient. Just he didn't play. He didn't have the impact he needed to be, you know? And I don't want to like say like anyone who's putting up stats is like empty. That's not the argument I'm trying to make. But there's you can have a big game in terms of the counting stats and it not be like a great game, you know? And, sure. you know. And- that's and that's a fair argument for sure, right? But I, I think what is considered a bad game is subjective, right? And I think Definitely. that's the part that you know that's the part that where we go because to me, you know, yes, he struggled, and that's completely fair. But I think that that there's a part of where your your teammates are supposed to back you up. That's what they're supposed to do, and they did. And that's that's what I was saying. But they did. And that's right. why we're saying, like, if he would have done, because the role players in Miami, they played. Remember, they lost. Right. They lost. Gave Vincent for a game, but Caleb. That that's why his name was in conversations. So it was like your squad is showing up. Where are you, baby? Like, where are you, buckets? We need you. And so, and he. I mean, he said it. I believe it was in Game Six. Like, look, if I just play better, we win. So right. I mean, he knows it. Everyone knows it. It's not to say he wasn't great, but. My only point was just like the consistency. It wasn't an awful, like he was awful, but he wasn't impactful. He wasn't impactful the way that you need him to be. And they need you. Oh no, putting up 35 in Boston, baby. That's pretty impactful to me in Boston. Game one. No, but I'm I'm not saying the whole series. I'm talking about consistently over the series. Like the margin of error in this series is not there. Like the... The, to me, the difference is not really the size. Like, yes, Denver has the size advantage, but it's that Denver has more versatility. They have more ways that they can play and they have a larger room for error. So when you ask the question, what yeah, happens right. when they start hitting their shot? Well, yeah, if the Miami is hitting their shots, it will still be a competitive game. But if yeah. Miami isn't hitting their shots, then we got problems because they just don't have any as many different options of where they can go. So- let, let, let's, go. Let, let's go because we got Nakai is waiting and I know that he will help us. He will help yes. tell us what the heat have to do. So we will be. We need right to know. Back. We need answers. I need answers. Okay. Because I'm thinking about putting, putting four, not five, on the <laughs> nugget. <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, 
<laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece Wick Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Uh, our game is not built just on the three-point ball. <laughs> you know, that we've proven that time and time again. We can win games, we can win series, regardless of how the three's going. Uh, but we also have ignitable guys. You see a couple go through, that all of a sudden can become an avalanche. So um, one way or another, we just we got to find a way to get the job done. Bam, I'm not, I promise I'm not trying to get you fined. Um, but two, two foul shots to 20. That's, I mean, that's that's quite a discrepancy. But it doesn't seem like you guys are complaining about the officiating. If I do say do say something, will you take the fine? Uh, like I said, I just feel like <clears throat> we we can't even get into that. You know, we can't let uh, them dictate the game. Uh, I just feel like. We took a lot of jump shots, and uh, we missed a lot of them instead of getting to the basket. Like I said, we're going to watch film and uh, get back to the drawing board. Why do you think the offense struggled so much to find its rhythm throughout the night? Probably because we shot a lot of jump shots myself, probably leading that pack instead of um, putting pressure on the rim, um, getting layups, getting to the free throw line. Uh, you know, when, when you look at it during the game, they all look like the right shots. And I'm not saying that we can't, as a team, make those. But got to get more layups, got to get more free throws. And um, whenever you miss and don't get back, the game gets out of hand kind of quickly. Um, we gave up too many layups, which we can also can't have happen. Um, but that's, that's it as a whole. We got to attack the rim a lot more, myself included. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Nakias Duncan, co-host of the Dunker Spot. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, what are the Heat going to do? Because I heard them saying a lot of things, a lot of things in the post game, And I agree with it. I agree with them. Like, you know, why weren't you attacking? You know, I think I tweeted like, why do players always realize what they have to do after the game? And so I thought it was interesting when Jimmy says, uh, you know, it, it, during the game, always it feels like the right shot. But do you think that's all it was? Or do you think there was some settling going on due to fatigue or something that Denver was doing on the floor defensively, schematically? What, what was it? 
Um, I do think it was a mix of, like for Jimmy in particular, it felt like a lot of probing for him, trying to figure out what his spots were and just how aggressive Denver's help was going to be on his drives or whenever he was spaced where he's trying to find pockets. I think that was a lot of it in game one. Um, I think I tweeted this out. If I didn't tweet it out, I definitely said it on the latest episode of the Dunker Spot. Um, eight drives for Jimmy Butler in game one, which is a postseason low for him. And the second time all playoffs long that he's been under 10 in a single game. And Jimmy, I'm glad that Jimmy said something post game because it popped on film, like watching it live and then watching it back this morning. It was a lot. It wasn't that many drives. And then when he did, it was very much him playing for the pass. But I think on second watch, I think Denver deserves a little bit more credit than what they're giving for what they did with him. Um, Jimmy went hunting for matchups. He had drop against Jokic, but the help behind Jokic and the help behind whoever's defending him, I think they did a really good job of one being in and kind of taking away the windows that Jimmy would normally like, but also mix again how far over they were coming over. Sometimes they're loaded in early, other times they chip again late. Jimmy never found the rhythm of when he could attack. And I think that combined with those kickouts leading to a bunch of missed threes is where Miami's offense kind of went haywire. Um, okay. I, I think that's mostly what it was. Yeah, I, I talked about this in the first segment, Nikias, and I, I, you know, for me, it just really does feel like in this situation. Now, I understand, you know, the the, the three situations, so I, I get there that they weren't effective, but you know, from the sizing uh, perspective, I just do feel like that you know Denver is a, a bigger team, and that you have to have a certain type of size to really kind of match up well with them. You know, play the the Lakers, who are larger in size, obviously, and although they swept them, I felt like they gave them a bigger fight because they had the size, and now you have the heat which you know they're very talented and very well coached but they they lack the size in my opinion so what do you do about that how what do you do to try to get around that because there's nothing you can do about it you can't grow a couple of inches in a couple of days um but what what can you do to neutralize that type of uh advantage um, I think on the defensive end of the ball, that, that's where Miami's going to have the most issue. And you saw it very early on when they were trying to switch some stuff for Denver on the perimeter. That's where Aaron Gordon has the really quick start and the hot start. It's like, oh, this is Gabe Vincent on me. This is Max Struess on me. Let me just put this dude underneath the basket. There isn't much Miami can do with that because they're already allocating so much of their attention to how do we stop Jamal Murray? How do we stop Nikola Jokic? And how do we stop them when they're running actions together? So there's only so much you could do on that side. Offensively, I think they can make up uh, for it with speed, with decisiveness, and the three-point shooting obviously is going to be important. Like, it's boring analysis, but they're not going to win this series if they don't knock down a requisite amount of threes. So I do think they are, they'll be able to find some pockets. And for most of the game, I felt like they were generating some pretty good shots overall. Like, you would like to see more aggression from Jimmy as a driver, like to see him challenge Jokic a little bit more. Um, we saw the most aggressive game of Bam's career, really. In terms of shot attempts anyway, that was a career high for him. But also, he found pockets of space all game long, and he was able to convert a lot of short jumpers, little push shots. He may just have to take an extra dribble on some of those short roll opportunities. And if the help is small, then get all the way to the rim, try to draw some fouls there. I'm glad he didn't get himself fouled, uh, get himself fined, rather, uh, post-game when he was asked about the free throw disparity. I do think a lot of that was just um, just a product of the type of shots Miami was taking. It was a lot of mid-range jumpers. was a lot of Two threes. free throws, though, Nakayas. Two it's, free throws. That's like the lowest, lowest ever in playoff history. In yeah. Yeah. And like sixth lowest, like in NBA history or whatever it is. I mean, it's, it's that. Come on. Come that's on. nasty work. 
Yeah, it's, it's nasty. It's, it's only like the you... sixth game in NBA history, regular Crazy. season or playoffs, where a team attempted two or a fewer free throws. That cannot just be. And you know what? I think I'm sensitive to this as a Warriors fan because it's like this notion uh... that like. Like, you don't get fouled <laughs> if you're jump shooting. Like, do, do jump shooters not get fouled? Because they do. It's like, you can only draw fouls on attacks. Like, come on, Nakayas. They do, they do. But again, you think about how Denver defends. Like, especially with Jokic defending pick and rolls. He's normally at the level of the screen. So a lot of these slip passes to Bam or whoever's rolling into the space, it's like, it's a lot of space for them. And you think about the shots that Bam was taking. It's a lot of short jumpers. It's a lot of push shots. The help behind that is small. So it's Bam shooting over the top of people. And that's where I feel like I don't think anything was like Bam's fault in game one, but I think an area of growth, if he gets those short roll opportunities, he probably has to take another dribble or two and turn this nine foot jumper into a rim attempt. And that gives him a better chance to get into the free throw line. I think that's where, again, two is just start to look at. And you go back through the film, like maybe you can, you can find a few plays where like, okay, this was contact. It probably could have been enough to get free throws. I can see where the refs didn't call that, but conceptually, it is the product of the type of shots that Miami was taking. Not necessarily threes, but even the open shots they were getting inside the yard. They weren't the type of shots that are challenging someone to draw a bunch of fouls. So I, I'm i not surprised it was low. I'm surprised it was two, and it was a playoff record, but I'm not surprised it was low overall. Okay. So I thought it would be more than two at least, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, they're, they're not going to win with two free throws. Right, exactly. So I need you to answer something because there was a lot of talk around the three-point shooting. And we saw so far this postseason, I, I, Heat fans came for me because I was just like early, like from the Buck series. I'm just like, oh, at some point they're going to regress to the mean because like they don't shoot like this, right? At least based on the regular season. <laughs> and now they're shooting like a completely different team. And I was like, well, I think maybe the answer is somewhere in the middle and there will be some regression. So because they they did generate still a lot of open shots. Like they were... Like they had a lot of butt naked open shots that they just did not make. So what mm. kind of three point shooting team is this team really first part and will Tyler hero coming back? Cause there's rumors that he will be actually help them or hurt them due to his defensive, you know, capabilities. Um, I think to the first portion, I think this is a good three point shooting team and just following the team. And also just you can hop on Twitter. I'm just, inundated with heat twitter stuff that's just naturally where it transferred me um the talk was like what the heck happened to the shooting because this was the best three-point shooting team in basketball or one of two or three best uh three-point shooting teams in basketball last season and it kind of dried up in the eastern conference finals with injuries and stuff like that and in the regular season nobody could hit anything like duncan robinson worst shooting season of his career max Struess fell off gate vincent fell off they just couldn't get anything so the postseason has kind of felt like oh this is just kind of who they are it okay. may not be the 45% or whatever it was in the Buck series, but you even saw a little bit of a dip in the Knicks series. They didn't shoot well from three in that Knicks series, and they were still able to win it. And that's kind of what Spo alluded to post-game as well. Like, yeah, we the shooting, we're gonna need it, but like it's not the only way that we can win. Um, so I think they are they are a good three-point shooting team. And I think the postseason has mostly been a return to form. And even before that, because they were a top 10 offense uh closing out the season after being one of the worst offenses in the NBA for most of it. So I think it's been a long trend line to, okay, we're back to who we are now. Um, and then to the second part, I do think Hero can help open up some stuff. I think his pull-up shooting will be important. And I guess just based on how Denver defended some of the shooters in pick and roll in game one, 
uh, Max Struess and Duck Robinson in particular, like that was when you saw Jokic coming up to the level. If it was Gabe Vincent or if it was Caleb Martin, then he's dropping. Jimmy Butler, they're dropping. I would assume Tyler Hero would also get uh, Jokic up to the level of the screen in pick and roll. So that may be more opportunities for like Bam to short roll, and then that turns into shots for him if he gets to the rim, or that's kickouts, and they get more open threes out of that and making Denver rotate. So I do think he can help. The defense worries me though. I think that's it's fair to point out. It's fair to point out. Period. Just for how teams have treated Tyler Hero in the postseason throughout his career, it's extra fair considering the layoff that he's had. Right. And so that's where yeah. I'm like, if he comes back in game two or game three. I don't think you just say, hey, here's 32 minutes, go back in the starting lineup. Like, I think it's we keep him between 20 and 24. We find those right pockets for him to attack, and you save him in that regard. And if he's hot, you close with him. And if he isn't, then you close with a defender. Haywood Highsmith, very quiet, 18 points in game one. Like, maybe he's someone you close with alongside Caleb Martin, Bam, Jimmy, insert guard here. But I do think there's a place for Hero in this series. Okay. Okay. Tell us your your pick real quick for the series. Yeah, I was gonna I'm, say. Yeah. I, I was just gonna say. So look, I'm about to overreact. I'm about to overreact. I'm about to go <laughs> to the casino and I'm going to pick the Nuggets in four. I'm ready to overreact. So give me, take me off the ledge. I would like to be taking off the ledge. I would like to have <laughs> at least two more games added to this conversation. But I feel my spirit says no, it's not going to happen. So tell me, Nikaias, I'm wrong, and that the Heat is going to get something out of this. Tell me. Well, I will do my best. Uh, my pre-series pick was Denver <laughs> in seven. I thought this was going to be a long one. I, I went into it like Denver in six, maybe five, and then going through the regular season clips and kind of how Miami's played this postseason. I'm like, you know what? They may have some pockets to attack offensively. This may be a, lo- a lot closer than people are giving credit for. And like, even in the game one, like 93 points for Miami, that's not great. Only two free throws, that's not great. You look at the quality of looks they were able to generate for most of the night, and this is with Jimmy Butler having an off game and kind of data collecting and seeing where his pockets were. They generated good stuff. And Denver only scored 104. Like, I think both teams are exiting that game one. Like, okay, we both can play better than we showed in game one, which right. is scary for Miami, but especially in light of the free throw disparity and the threes and the three-point shooting, I think Miami can feel pretty good. So I do think if you have a more aggressive Jimmy Butler, if you get more shots at the rim, just more drives touching the paint, period. And Miami quietly drove the ball more than Denver did. I think 35 to 27 was the gap there in drives per second spectrum. Like, there's room for Miami to be better here. And I think actually having a little bit of success with the zone in the fourth quarter with Jokic on the floor, which is something that I did not think they could do, that gives them a little bit of leeway to do that a little bit more in game two and see where it goes. I would not call this a sweep for Denver yet. I understand where the logic comes from, especially since Jokic himself, I was joking about it after the game, like this felt like a B or a B plus Jokic game and he had 27, <laughs> 10 and 14. So like, it's scary that he can do more as well. So I understand where it's like, well, Denver has the best player in the series they have the best duo in the series Miami is really struggling to figure out what to do with those two so I don't think it's a bad prediction to have Denver in four or five I just can't go there I think I still saw enough for Miami to think this is going to be a long series I agree I agree all right some news came down in the NBA today I just want to know Frank Vogel new head coach for the Suns I actually forgot he was even in the conversation in the running <laughs> like he was I just forgot about him so I don't know. I, I haven't really formulated my thoughts. I actually do think Frank Vogel is a good coach, but what do you think, Nakai? Is he the right coach for the Phoenix Suns? And is Suns? he better than Monty Williams? I, no, seriously. Better than, is he better than Monty Williams? 
better than Monty, I'm not sure. But okay. I'm also that's also me saying like I'm someone that just watches the games and watches the film. I don't have any background. And depending on how much stock you put into the Monty and DeAndre Aiden relationship and how important that is moving forward, that may already just have Monty on the outs. So I don't have that background, so I can only apply for what I see. I do think Frank Gold, Frank Vogel is a very good coach, particularly on the defensive end. And I do wonder, and I was making this joke on the podcast as well, like I do wonder if this is a little bit of like Aiden Whisperer vibes. Where it's like, hey, Frank, what did you do with Roy Hibbert? How did you get him engaged? How did you turn him into this defensive menace? How did you connect with him on and off the court? Does this become, hey, we have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. We don't have picks anymore. We don't have cap space. Our best pathway to making the leap we need is to either trade this guy or to get the best out of this guy and then maybe Mm. trade him later. And so maybe this is a Frank can connect with this big and make this work. Wow, that is a name I have not heard in a while, but that's an excellent point. See, this is this is why we have you, Nikaias. We need you. (laughs) Just try my best. Well, continuing because like you, you love to preach the gospel, and you were preaching the gospel recently, you know, on on um, Twitter, and like you are active in NBA Twitter, but you were also active in WNBA Twitter, and people may not know about how live and and rambunctious that community is, but I was exposed last year. You to transition into covering the W full. And, you know, I I don't want to get too much into like the details, but there was some controversy that transpired among media in terms of commentary made uh, about the type of coverage that a a Black woman who's a member of the media, how she does her coverage. And there's also just been other commentary around the type of coverage and who's a professional and, you know, credentialing, just all these different things. And so you, you preach the word and, and you, you know, you basically, this is the part I love with what you tweeted, regardless of what path you choose in terms of coverage, analysis, culture, capital J journalism or whatever, like when you pointed that out in terms of like, People, no matter what they do in terms of how they cover the league, they deserve that respect. I think it's important because, like, everyone thinks everyone who covers basketball is the same. You know, I always have mm. people coming at me like, oh, Natalie, she's not an analyst. No shit, I'm not. I'm not an analyst. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a commentator. I do understand basketball and know enough to talk about it, but I like to talk about other things too. I like to tell the stories of the players and in the W in particular, telling their stories is very important. And we do that in a variety of ways and different content we create by doing spaces, by um, talking about them. There's a lot of ways that we do that. And so I just thought what you said was so important and I just want you to know, like, your thoughts in terms of, like, coverage of the W, because I think it's actually really important, and it feels like it's trying to be, like, gatekeep, like, gatekeeping yes. is going on. Yes, that's exactly mm-hmm. what I was thinking. I think for me, it's, one, and as I said in the thread, like, we just need to have a baseline respect for people, period. And that's, you know, obviously that extends outside of sports, but in this space in particular, there needs to be a baseline level of respect, one, because of the right thing to do, two, we're all trying to grow the W in our own respective ways. And we should all be working towards that goal together. And the infighting doesn't really help, especially when you're trying to draw more people in. Because if you're trying to draw new people in and they see y'all arguing, they, y'all can't get on the same page. What incentive do they have to just kind of follow along with their own accord? Like some may still do that just because they had the genuine interest in basketball itself, but it makes it more difficult. 
when we don't have that collective vision. So like, I would just like to see the general respect across the board. I don't like seeing people get disrespected. I especially don't like seeing black women get respected. And that's part of why I made the thread. Like, hey, I see it. I'm not in it. So I'm not going to make myself the main character. And I think zooming out, like, as someone that's relatively new in the space and just in general as a black man, like, I recognize my role in, like, W Twitter. Like, in terms of analysis, like, I'm just doing the film stuff. I feel like that's my lane. I do X's and O's stuff. But in the space as a whole, I am very much an amplifier in this regard. Like, I am not a main character in WNBA Twitter. I never will be. And I am okay with that. I don't want to be. My job is to grow the game in the way that I can. And for the people and specifically the black women that have come before me in that regard, if they're telling the stories of the players or if they're just doing their own thing, trying to build their own platform, I should I use my platform to amplify that. Like, I feel like that's the easiest way and the smartest way to do that. And so that's that's kind of where the thread came from. Like, hey, we don't need to we don't need to do all this. Like, this is wrong. Apologize. Do better moving forward. And then overall, let's let's respect each other. Let's do this thing. Like, it feels like the league is really in this inflection point with growth. We're seeing it in the numbers. We're seeing it reflected on our own personal timelines with people getting into it. This should be fun. This should be an exciting time. Like, we shouldn't be pitted against each other. That That's just kind of where I came at it with. For sure. You know, I, I said, like, in my feed, like, protect, you know, the Black women who are covering the W because they're so important um, and their voices aren't always the loudest or always the most heard or represented. But it's actually really important that the the people covering the league also you know the players have people who look like them you know um and yeah. I, that's not limited to the w but it's it's really important so um thank you for that um speaking of coverage um diana tarazi made a, a statement recently and and the fact that like um um women's basketball the players often as they're coming up and even currently they're often compared to men players. Um, and, you know, just, I mean, she was graceful, I thought, in her commentary. You know, she says, I'm confused about that. She uses Caitlin Clark as an example. She's like, hey, Caitlin Clark is like Stephen Curry. Well, why can't she be like Katie Smith, you know? Angel Reese, boy, she rebounds like Dennis Rodman. Well, why can't she be like Rebecca Brunson? I think that's just a lack of education and research, really. And I, I agree with that. It is. And I'm wondering, Nakais, if you have thoughts on like, you know, like I think some, I do think some of it is some people maybe just being lazy um, and maybe that's not the right word. Um, I think, you know, Diana was a little bit more graceful than me, but I, <laughs> I, 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 I sort of wonder, I sort of wonder if it's like when new people are coming in, you know, who are new to this and maybe their only reference point is NBA basketball yeah. or they're more casual. I do wonder sometimes though, if sometimes those references are used to help those people, but also at the same time, the league is further enough for far enough along now. Women's basketball is big enough now that I feel like we have to now educate, right? And move past that. So people start learning the history of the game and the players and and comparing these players to those past people. Yeah, I think there's definitely a balance to be struck. And I think it also just depends on like what the medium is where you're making these uh where you're making these comparisons. Like I think on a broadcast live, like I think it makes more sense to go with the W slash college comparisons there. Force people to do research. Like you're you already have a big platform. You're on the stage. You're on the stage live. Make those people go to basketball reference and see who is Katie Smith, who is Rebecca Brunson. Like do that. 
on Twitter or other mediums like that, or you have personal people that are personal friends that are trying to get into the league. Like, I think it's fair to use that as a reference point. I think ideally, even if you're using the NBA as a reference point, find a W example as well. Like try to go for both if you can. So like that's kind of how I would bounce it. Cause I think to my own personal timeline, like a week or so ago, um, someone mentioned me saying, Hey, I'm trying to get into the W. I love watching Drew Holiday play. Who are some players that remind you of Drew to help me kind of pick a team, whatever. And I was like, okay, this feels like a pretty holistic way to go about it. And I was like, well, if you like Drew and the way he plays, the way he defends, whatever, first person that comes to mind for me is Natasha Cloud. So watch the Mystics. Watch them play defense. You'll have fun. So if you can use that as an entry point, I think that's okay. If it's the only comparison that you're using, that becomes a little bit problematic. And I think that's more so speaking to what Diana is talking about, about doing the research and really knowing what you're talking about there. Like, I don't think it's, like, I don't think it's unfair to go with that as a reference, but it can't stop there. Right. I love that. I, I love using entry points for people that want to get in so they can have a, a, a comparison to what they know. But then once they get to the entry period, finding players that they really like and, and kind of finding their way and navigating because it's a process. Right. I mean, you know, we have to watch that. We have to watch these ladies play from an individual or team perspective and, and understand how they play individually. But also it is it's if it's doing a disservice if we don't acknowledge that people just don't know who you know they can relate to from people that they do know and so mm-hmm. i do think that i think both things can happen you can use those as entry points but then once you get involved and and you start having a little bit more of a rapport you need to start using more women now that the league has grown and evolved to use comparison to to these young ladies that we're seeing coming out from the college level i love that that's a perfect um example Thank you. Exactly. Matthias, thank like you it. so much. Oh, go ahead. Were you going to say something? Oh, no, no, no. You're good. I appreciate y'all bringing me back on. It's always a blast. Always a pleasure. So thank you. Wise words from you always. Who who do you yes. got your eye on right now in the W? Which team is standing out to you? Uh, I mean, the Aces are the easy one. I would like for them to play Very. a healthy team so you get a real <laughs> gauge. <laughs> but beyond that, the Chicago Sky before, like, literally everybody got hurt. Like, I like what James Wade is doing there. And Dallas is interesting. They're yes. really interesting right now. Come back and talk about Dallas with us. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we, we can do it. I'm keeping my, my brow is raised. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. Sauce of destiny. Yes. The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. 
Angel Reese. She is featured in a starry commercial with NBA stars. That is Zion Williamson, um, Carl Anthony Towns. She just keeps winning. She keeps winning. Um, just keeps Reese. winning. I, I love mean, it. Don't you love her energy? I do. I love her energy. You know, of course, I'm always going to claim her. Baltimore girl. So I'm always uh, extremely proud of anybody that comes out of here and that does well. I'm, she's done extremely well for herself. And she's in a new video with Cardi B. And um, I, I don't know some of these young girls. So I can't remember the name of the other girl. Oh, but I know who Cardi <laughs> B is. Lotto. Thank you. Okay, girl, I don't know. I just know I know who Cardi B is. So she's in this, I think they have a remix and she's in that video. She's just been doing it. I love... I just love to see how much praise and how much, you know, um, limelight she's getting. So I, I can't even really wait until she goes to the next level because you got to assume she's going to go to the M WNBA, right? Like when she's done uh, with her tenure in college. And I just feel like that just makes it more electrifying. So I'm excited for her. Like she deserves all of this and more. Yeah, and I think that's sort of been the conversation. I don't think it will be the case for Reese, but like because she's like one, she's one of the players who have these no deals, and like it's so huge, and the amount that yeah. she's getting, and I mean, she's she's doing this on another level, on another yep. level, and so it's like, like is it worth it? Because you know to go, and I I mean she loves basketball, and I, I'm pretty sure she will go, but I mean this is incredible, and the way she's merging the culture with sports. Um, She's, you know, someone tweeted like she's going to be like a case study, like a marketing study. And I, I tend to agree. So shout out, shout out to Angel. Um, someone who is not doing so great off the court right now is John Morant. Oh. <laughs> um, Adam, Adam Silver spoke yesterday ahead of the NBA finals. And we don't know what's going to happen with John Morant, but he don't want to tell us. So after the NBA finals apparently are concluding, but it's sounding Rita like a heavy, heavy, maybe penalty is going to come down for John Morant based on the commissioner's comments yesterday. Yeah, it didn't sound too good for Ja. They claim that they have some additional information that, they, you know, that they came across and uh, that they didn't want to do anything during the finals um, because they didn't want to take away from what the finals has going on, the good of the finals to talk about John Morant, which I respect. I do think you should allow the finals to have their own time and then, you know, deal with the John Morant situation once that's over. But man, first and foremost, what did they find out extra other than what we already knew in terms I of, you know, know, the brand is just like, we got, we need to know that. And then what does that mean? What does that, you know, like, is he getting suspended for 40 games? Is he getting suspended? Like, is it a heavy penalty? Like, what's going on here? Like, I I need to know. Look at, Rita, look at some of these statements. I don't think we yet know what it will take to change his behavior. Yeah. I mean, that's, like, damning to me. It's like, yeah. I, that's, I, that's I, 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 I thought, wow, when I read that. That's saying a lot, right? Because John Morant is being promoted as one of the stars, the young stars of the NBA. And so now you're saying that this he has potentially character issues, right? Which is a liability to your corporation, to your business. So, you know. Who they wanted to be the face of the NBA. Exactly. exactly. Who they were pushing to be the face yes. of the NBA. And now you're finding out that, you know, he's young. And I'm not, I'm not making any excuse for his behavior. Let me be clear by saying he's young. 
But I also am acknowledging that he's young in addition to all of these things that he is doing. And you would like to think that John Morant can change and that he'll be better. And maybe that will happen, but we just don't know when. And I don't think that the NBA has time to wait for that. They don't, they cannot operate on saying, well, we'll wait for you. They have to move along, find who the next superstar is for them to promote and find, you know, look, whatever you got going on, you got going on, we'll support you, but you, you can't be a part of this. And that's the part that, I'm very curious to know what the penalty will be due to his immature actions. Yeah, I'm curious to know the penalty and what additional they found out. I don't know if it will be revealed, but this is just, it's really unfortunate. And like, I still am hopeful, hopeful that Ja figures it out and turns it around. Me because too. He's, so, he's young, he's so talented, uh, you know, it's what's best for him. And I hope he realizes that for his family, but also right. his fans. We want to see that. So and just as a young black man, I want to see that. So I, I hope he gets it together. But, you know, he has a will... daughter, you know, yeah. you want to see people you want to see people do better with that situation as a parent, as a person who has a son around the same age as Ja, like you, you, you want them to do better. You hope that they do better because, you know, it's already struggles in terms of him being an athlete. But then he's a black athlete. And so the, sh- the light is shining so, you know, strong on him and so bright on him that every little thing that he does, we're going to micromanage and, and, and talk about. So you really hope he can find a way to, to get himself together before it's too late. For sure. Wow. It is Friday, girl. And last night we had a party and you were not there. We had a party and it was great. Woo, we watched the NBA finals. Let's let's take a look at what went down. We can't bring a red cup in here. Like I see you got a red cup. I'm sipping on something. I didn't know it was a basement party. What the fuck did Jason say today? I don't want to know what Jason said. He's here, so we go. Oh Lord. But let me finish answering the question though. (laughs) There oh, yeah. oh, it's my like, I, 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 I'm sick. Okay, here we go. To quote Ace for paid full, here come the bullshit. Come- <laughs> y'all, That's y'all right. take my argument, it has to be clear. I am clear. On the other hand, Natalie, you always you. I am not, Natalie, I am not fighting. You always fighting. Natalie, you always you fighting. Having a third MVP. You always you fighting. What is it being done in the post? people that had three consecutive so- <laughs> Jason hey Tom just Billy hold you just like white man can't jump you get cooked <laughs> by Billy hold Michael we're gonna go back to your spades reference because I'm gonna take one for the team for all of us that still need to learn how to play spades I'm gonna put it in like we're gonna have to have an intervention in Birmingham this is the culture finals because Denver's made of a lot of the same stuff that Miami is right you actually gave every part of the equation time to all marinate in the same sauce it's just you know, Nikola Jokic looks like sentient butter, so we don't really think of them the same way as having that dog in them. Can I be more grateful for everybody that supported this little, this little show that could in this watch party? Oh my gosh! It was this is why we don't be playing. This is why Kelsey, Kelsey can't claim Baltimore because she she's from Maryland. Because we play spades here, okay? So <laughs> this is, you know what I'm saying? Now I'm I'm not, I don't play spades either. So I'm not okay, going well, to. Okay, well now it was a bunch of people in the comments. It was a we bunch didn't of have an event for both of y'all. No. <laughs> people in the comments were like, I don't play either. I don't play either. So they appreciated the confession. They appreciated it. But we are losing that. recipes. We are losing recipes, y'all. I am very sad. But the red cup, I want to know what was in it because um, Smith was on fire. You and Smith's dialogue, baby. That was uh, must-see TV. And I'm sad that I missed it. 
Listen, the people enjoyed it. They said it was epic last night. They loved the fight. I just want to remind people I'm Jamaican, so we play dominoes, not spades, okay? So let's Okay, go. I'll give you that. I'll give you I'll give you that because dominoes is absolutely a game that you gotta play at a cookout in addition to spades. So if you can at least do dominoes, you good. I'll give exactly. you that. Well, it was a fun time. Thank you to all who attended and came out. Rita, thank you, girl. Y'all have a great weekend. We will be back on Monday. And I'm going to be oh, at the next ladies one. Ladies first Friday. Friday. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.